Welcome to episode 10 in The Lives of the Saints, first series, 1928 BCP Saints. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. In this episode, I pay tribute to St. John the Baptist, whose feast day or holy day, officially titled the Nativity of John the Baptist, is June 24th. In the Christian tradition, John the Baptist is called by two titles, the last prophet of the Old Testament and John the Forerunner, both based upon the reference in Malachi 3.1 to the messenger who would prepare the way. The illustration is a detail from the harrowing of Hades, a 16th century Russian Orthodox icon of the resurrection in which John the Baptist stands in the near background at Jesus' right hand, the honored position, observing the raising of the righteous from the dead. Jesus stands upon the destroyed gates of Hades. The first title, The Last Prophet of the Old Testament, reflects John the Baptist as the transitional figure who represents a change from the Lord's message delivered by the prophets, of which John is the last, to the salvational message and the presence in human history of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father. In the last prophet context, he is Elijah, based upon the Archangel Gabriel's remarks in Luke 1.17. In Jewish tradition, it was expected that Elijah would come just before the Messiah, which in Greek is Christ. All four Gospels refer to John the Baptist, but only St. Luke in Luke 1, 5 to 25 39 to 45 and 57 to 80 provides a nativity account. It is St. Luke's version on which the Feast of the Nativity of John the Baptist is based. As St. Luke makes clear, John the Baptist was special even before his birth. His father was Zacharias, the temple priest, who doubted the message of the archangel Gabriel delivered in the first of St. Gabriel's three annunciations, recalled in the Gospel of St. Luke. For his disbelief, Zacharias was struck dumb in Luke 1, verse 20. The illustration is a detail from a stained-glass window by Mayer of Munich from the AIC bookstore publication Paintings on Light, The Stained-Glass Windows of St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, available at our virtual bookstore, https colon slash slash www.amazon.com slash author slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. For more on the topic of angels and their function as messengers, see the angels slash archangels entry on pages 10 through 13 in the layman's lexicon, also available at our virtual bookstore which I just referenced. His mother was Elizabeth, an elderly and long-barren cousin of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Luke 1, 5, and 13. 
In this first annunciation by St. Gabriel, Zacharias learned that Elizabeth was to give birth to a son whose name was to be John, according to the account in Luke 1, 5, 13, and 14, and that this son would be, quote, filled with the Holy Spirit, unquote, and would drink neither wine nor strong drink. That latter is verse 15. John the Baptist, even before his birth, plays a part in St. Luke's unique narrative of the nativity of Jesus Christ. St. Luke wrote that John the Baptist, quote, leaped, unquote, in his mother's womb at the presence of the Blessed Virgin Mary, recounted in Luke 1, verse 41. Zacharias's long silence was broken only at the naming of the child as John, which was an odd circumstance for the Jews present who knew that no one in John's father's family had ever had the name John, or Johanan in Hebrew. The account is in Luke one fifty-seven to 66 The date of his feast day, June 24th, is derived based upon the date of Christmas, December 25th, and St. Luke's observation that, quote, six months, unquote, had lapsed between the first annunciation to Zacharias and the second and more famous annunciation to the Blessed Virgin, found in Luke one twenty six. For a more detailed discussion of that whole encounter, see episode 12 and episode 13 in the AIC Bible Study Series, New Testament Gospels and Epistles, available at https colon slash slash www.youtube.com slash c slash St. John C or by using the episode links on the Bible study page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. We see him next at his birth, which was the occasion for his father Zacharias's memorable song, The Benedictus, in Luke 1, 67-79, in which he prophesies that his son will be, quote, a prophet of the highest, unquote, who will, quote, give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, unquote, in verses 76-77. St. Luke transitions to the Jesus nativity narrative by closing with the observation that, quote, the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel, from Luke 1, verse 80. We do not see John the Baptist again in any of the Gospels until he is a grown man, in around 28 or 29 A.D. in Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 20, in the period just before the start of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. In St. Luke's account, John the Baptist is seen as fulfilling the prophecy of both the archangel Gabriel in Luke 1, 17, and of his father Zacharias, found in the Benedictus in Luke 1, 67 to 79. In this account, the adult John demonstrates in word and deed the meaning of his second title, John the Forerunner. He is the one who would dwell in the wilderness, abstaining from spirits, dressed in prophet's clothing, 
excuse me, in the spirit and power of Elijah, and who would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord in Luke one seventeen. St. Luke and St. Mark refer to John's preaching of repentance and baptism, quote, for the remission of sins, from the Greek baptizo, which means to immerse. The news of his preaching in the region around the Jordan is reported in Luke 2b and 3 and Matthew 3, verse 1, but only St. Matthew quotes John directly. In Matthew 3, verse 2, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The wilderness where he preached refers to the harsh, barren, and mountainous area south and east of Jerusalem, extending to the Dead Sea. Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary suggests that he also preached in Perea, a region east of the Jordan. The illustration is a detail from an early 20th century King James Version of the Bible on which are plotted Jerusalem, the mountains of Judea, the traditional location of the baptism of Jesus, and the site of the beheading of John the Baptist. Both St. Matthew and St. Mark describe his appearance in Mark in Matthew 3, 4, and Mark 1, 6, clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. The illustration is a detail from the center panel of the first of three large, elaborately framed oil-on-wood altarpieces painted in the early 16th century by Matthias Grunwald for the Monastery of St. Anthony in Eisenheim, France. The original is in the Musée de Unterlinden in Colmar, France. All three synoptic Gospels use quotes from Isaiah the prophet, with the longest found in Luke 3, verses 4 to 6, and with another verse repeated, spoken by Jesus in Luke seven twenty-seven. Here he is both the last prophet of the Old Testament and John the forerunner. In this quotation from Isaiah 4, 3, 4, and 5, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. When we next see and hear John the Baptist, he is already in conflict with the Hebrew religious authorities calling the Pharisees and Sadducees, those self-appointed protectors of doctrine, a, quote, brood of vipers in Matthew 3, verse 7. To them he prophesies about the end of the Old Covenant and offers a glimpse of the standards of judgment under the New Covenant in Matthew 3, 8 through 10. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. 
Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In the Eastern Church tradition, the reference to the stones from which the children of Abraham could be raised is explained as an allusion to the Gentiles and to the broader world which is to receive the new covenant. The reference to the harvesting of good fruit and the throwing of the unproductive into the fire is seen as a harbinger of one of Jesus' later themes as explained by St. John in Revelation, Judgment by Fire. John the Baptist carries this theme further, again leading into later messages of Jesus in the Gospels with a powerful speech on the coming of the Messiah and the manner and form of judgment for the unrighteous. This is Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In Luke 3, verses 19 and 20, John the Baptist is imprisoned by Herod Antipas, in part owing to his fiery speech, but also to his criticism of Herod's relationship with Herodias, his brother's, brother Philip's wife. For more on the unique use of baptism by, quote, the Holy Spirit and fire, see the entry fire slash cleansing fire on page 80 in Layman's Lexicon, available from our virtual bookstore, www.https slash slash www.amazon.com slash author slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Another useful source is Robert Payne, The Holy Fire, The Story of the Fathers of the Eastern Church. Also unique to St. Luke's Gospel is the three sets of advice which John the Baptist gave, first to the people in general, then to a tax collector, and finally to the soldiers in his audience. The advice provided an answer to the question, What shall I do? To the people, he said, in verse chapter 3, verse 11, If you have two tunics, give one to one who has none. He who has food, do likewise. To the tax collector, in verse 13, he said, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. This was a backhanded reference to the well-known corruption and intimidation by tax collectors. And finally, to the soldiers, in verse 14, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. The baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist is reported in all four Gospels, but only in St. Matthew's account do we hear John's modesty demonstrated in his comment and question to Jesus in Matthew 3, verses 14 and 15. I need to be baptized by you, 
And are you coming to me? To the question, Jesus replied, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. The illustration is the baptism of Christ, a 19th century stained glass window in the Munich style at St. Clement's Church, Jersey, in the Channel Islands. As in all depictions, in the Western Church, the Holy Spirit is represented by a dove with rays and aura. The legend is, this is the Lamb of God in Latin, Ecce Agnus Dei. In Eastern icons of the baptism, an image of the tree without fruit and a hatchet is included as a visual reminder that baptism is not complete unless it is followed by a change of behavior. At the time of the baptism, St. John had not previously met Jesus, nor heard him speak, or or seen him heal the sick. Later, when he had heard news that Jesus had raised the widow's son from the dead in Luke 7, verses 11 to 16, and heard rumors of there being a great prophet, these stories had spread far and wide, and John wanted to be sure, and he sent a messenger to Jesus with the question, Are you the coming one, or or do we look for another? Modern interpreters, especially in the academic community in the Western Church, have read this as an indication of John's inner doubts, or at least his disappointment at his imprisonment, and suggesting uncertainty about Jesus' identity. Eastern Church scholars have taken a very different and more strongly spiritual-minded approach. They teach that John's question was intended to gain information and understanding and not to question either his own ministry or that of Jesus. Another possibility is that he wished to join his followers to those of Jesus and before doing so wanted first to hear more directly from Jesus. The illustration is a mosaic of John the Baptist at the baptism of Jesus found at the Church of the Assumption, also known as the Church of the Dormition, on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, built between 1898 and 1910 on the site of the original 4th century church built during the reign of Constantine and destroyed by Persians in the early 7th century. Jesus' answer, telling the messengers to share with John what they had seen, including healings of the blind, the lame, the deaf, even lepers, and of the preaching of the gospel to the the poor, included this praise of John the Baptist, using a quotation from Malachi 3, verse 1. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say unto you, among those born of women, 
there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. The two traditions of John the Baptist, John as the last prophet of the Old Testament and John as the forerunner, are best brought together in the Gospel of St. John. In his introduction, in John 1, verses 1 through 5, St. John connects the God of creation with Jesus Christ, the Word, who is the divine light brought into the spiritual darkness of the world. He wrote this of John the Baptist in John 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. St. John relates nearly the same narrative of John the Baptist as that in the Synoptic Gospels concerning John in the image of Elijah and concerning the purpose of baptism. But he also provides this unique account of John the Baptist's testimony concerning the identity of Jesus. The first next day in the, is the day after the encounter of John the Baptist with the Pharisees. The entire quotation is John 1, 26, excuse me, 29 to 36. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon who you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. After Jesus had begun his ministry and consequently the uproar among both Jewish and Roman authorities had increased, Herod Antipas surrendered to the pressure by Herodias' mistress to imprison and then behead John the Baptist, an account of which is in Matthew 14.1-12 and Mark 6.14-28, giving her John's head on a platter. Afterward, according to St. Mark's account, the disciples of John and Jesus took away the headless corpse and laid it in a tomb, from Mark 6, verse 29. There are conflicting traditions concerning the relics of John the Baptist. According to 4th century church tradition, his head, which had been buried by Herod in a dung heap, was retrieved and reburied possibly in the area of present-day Nablus in the West Bank. 
The head was lost again and was found again in the 5th century. The Roman Catholic Church's claim that the head of John the Baptist is buried at the Basilica of San Silvestre in Capite in Rome was reaffirmed officially in August 2012 A.D. by Pope Benedict XVI. Other traditions claim that various bones of John the Baptist have healing powers. One such set of bones is held in the United States at a museum in the Midwest. Other places around the Mediterranean Sea claim possession of relics of John the Baptist. In 2010 AD, a group of Bulgarian archaeologists claimed to have found the relics of John the Baptist in the ruins of a 5th century monastery on St. Ivan Island in Bulgaria. According to Internet sources, based upon reporting by the New York Times, carbon dating has indicated that these remains are from the 1st century. The Collect for the Feast of the Nativity of John the Baptist was written by Archbishop Cranmer based upon the Gospel lesson for the day, Luke 1, verses 57 to 80. Almighty God, by whose providence thy servant John the Baptist was wonderfully born and sent to prepare the way of thy Son our Savior by preaching repentance, make us so to follow his doctrine and holy life that we may truly repent according to his preaching and after his example constantly speak the truth, boldly rebuke vice, and patiently suffer for the truth's sake. Through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the Anglican tradition in America, St. John the Baptist is commemorated in the special verses for the hymn From All the Saints in Warfare, written in 1864 A.D. by Horatio Nelson and published with the 1892 Episcopal Church hymnal and sung to the familiar tune, Aurelia. We praise thee for the Baptist, forerunner of the word, our true Elias making a highway for our Lord. Of prophets last and greatest, he saw thy dawning ray. Make us the rather blessed who love thy glorious day. The music was performed by Richard Irwin, whose website is www.hymnswithoutwords.com, where you'll find this and many other songs. If you'd like a PDF of all four pages of the hymn from the 1892 hymnal, please send an email request to me at frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. Thank you for joining me for episode 10 in the Lives of the Saints first series, the 1928 BCP Saints. Episodes in this series, as well as episodes in other teaching videos and seasonal videos, are or will be available on our YouTube channel, https colon right slash right slash www.youtube.com slash c slash St. John C. 
or a better way by using the episode links at http colon slash slash www.anglicaninternetchurch.net slash digital hyphen library dot html. Please be sure to use all lowercase letters. Bible study videos are linked from the Bible study page on that same site. I also invite you to visit our virtual bookstore of historical, prayer, teaching, and other publications at our special site at Amazon, https colon slash slash www.amazon.com slash author slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Again, please use all lowercase letters and include the S in the HTTP. 100% of all book royalties are contributed to the AIC ministry. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.